Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We are currently in our series discussing all the questions you wish you had answered about heaven. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks so much for checking out our sermon here at Hope. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. I have been waiting patiently. Actually, not so patiently if you talk to the people in the office. I've been preaching to them for like a week. You know, this series literally has rocked my world, to be honest with you. Um, As much as I thought I knew about heaven, what God is revealing personally to me, I wish I could teach you everything, and we don't have enough time because we got another service, and Pastor Vance told me to, you know, hold it a little bit, so he'd have something to say in the next couple weeks, too. But man, it's so good. Like it's better than we could think or imagine, and I'm almost for certain that's the reason he put that in the Bible. Not just the things that we get here, but what we get to know, but all the things we don't get to know about heaven and about what God is preparing and what he has prepared for us. In his book on heaven, which we, we sell out in the foyer uh, every weekend, Randy Alcorn quotes a man named John Eldridge who says this. Listen to this. He said, nearly every Christian I've spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. That's what you've been thinking, I know. We have settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky and one great hymn after another forever and ever, amen. And our hearts sink. Forever and ever, that's it? That's the good news? We get a forever church service? And then we sigh, and then we feel guilty that we're not more spiritual. He says we lose heart, and we turn once more to the present, to where we live now, to find what life can be. And what life is. Is that how you feel? Like, are you scared to death that heaven's going to be just this long church service? Now, let me tell you this. If I were going to pick a church to, have a, to, to like heaven for it to be, it'd be hope. But listen, I don't even want to do this all the time. I love it. I love hope. And listen, I've gone to other churches. I don't want to do that for five minutes. Oh, dear Jesus, please not it be, please don't let it be an unending church service. And if that's what you thought, you don't have to acknowledge it right now. We already know because that's what we thought too. The reason I think we think this is because honestly, we don't know that much about heaven. We have a limited or even wrong view of heaven, and that's why we are in this series. Heaven isn't just some place we should look forward to. Knowing what heaven is like, though, changes how we should live on earth. And I'm telling you, it's changed my view even in the last couple of weeks, in the last month of studying and preparing and getting ready. Listen, if we have the correct view of heaven, I'm telling you, we'll live correctly here. So 
Some of y'all don't believe that, but I'm telling you, after this service, I hope you do. I actually want to preach Vance's sermon for next week because it's one of the best. But I'm going to let him do it. He's the boss and all. Some of them would. Some of them would tell, David. Yeah. It'll be online. He'd know. Last week, Pastor Vance preached a message with the same initial title. And this week's message, what is heaven going to be like? Pastor Vance talked about the things that wouldn't be there. Do you remember? This week, I'd like to talk about what is going to be there. And listen, I've only got five things, so you can count them up, okay? There's like a a, a million five, but I'm going to talk about five. I'm going to talk about all the ones that we do know about in the Scripture, but I'm telling you it's going to be even better than what I'm about to explain. What is there? What are those things? What are those things that are going to be there? And listen, I hope that when you leave today, you're blessed by knowing just about these five. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 21. Now, this is going to be the same passage that Pastor Vance used last week to talk about what's not going to be there. But up to this point, for the last 18 chapters, if you go back and read the book of Revelation, John is describing what he saw. In the first three chapters, basically it's John saying, this is what Jesus told me when he appeared to me. But then in chapter 4, it starts out with, and he opened up a door in heaven. In other words, in the sky, and he began to show me this stuff. And he said, I went in the spirit, and here's what I saw. And listen, for 18 chapters, he's just been telling what he saw. You may not know this, but the book of Revelation almost didn't make it in our canon of, of 66 books because it was so fantastic. It was so unimaginable. That when the church fathers got together, they said, listen, we know the apostle John wrote this, but this is some stuff right here. So for 18 chapters, we've just been given some fantastic stuff. But in chapter 21, here's how he opens. Listen to this. He says, then I saw, after all this stuff, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm going to stop right there for a second. The first thing that we need to know about heaven, how, what's it going to be like, what's there, it's a new place. Now, you know, for some of you, like, okay, whoop-de-doo, it's a new place. Thank you, Tom. I didn't say it. God said it in his word. John wrote it down. It's a new place. And listen, I can tell you this. All of us like new things, right? My first car 1981 Bonneville Buick. The thing was as big as this building. (laughs) Anybody else have an 81 Buick Bonneville? Was it Buick? Pontiac, my bad. Pontiac Bonneville. Huge. As big as this stage. It was fun, though, because I could get all my friends in the car at the same time. (laughs) Because we didn't wear seatbelts back then. Just piled in there. The movie night was awesome. I can remember having that car, and I can remember my dad telling me, hey, this is going to be your car, and I actually was pretty pumped about it. Now that I look back, wow. After college graduation, though, I bought a brand new 1991, and if you bought this, give give me a shout. 1991 red Eagle Talon. Had wheels on it this wide. Felt like I was driving a race car. 
when you buy a new car, you know how you get in the car and you're like, wow, this is new, the smell of a new car, and they've tried to reproduce it in different scents that you get at the car wash, but it's just not the same. It was new. I got this new car. The smell was new. The rev of the engine, oh my gosh, the radio was like no other radio I'd ever heard in my life. No matter how many times I washed the outside and detailed the inside of the old Bonneville, it just wasn't the same as having my new 1991 Eagle Talon. Red. But there are other things in our lives too, other material things. New clothes, new houses, new shoes. We all like new, don't we? When John talks about new here in Revelation chapter 21, new, new doesn't mean new in kind. New here means new in quality. And look what he says, heaven and earth, new. You know, I started to ask this question, why does heaven need to be new? Is it not perfect? It seems to me and it seems to be here that what John is actually saying is that Heaven is designated by three, in three different ways in the scripture. There's the first heaven, which is the sky. There's the second heaven, which is space. And there's, then there's heaven. That's where God lives. Here, it seems that he's not talking about where God lives. I mean, I don't really think there's any reason to make a new heaven where God is. Do you? But I think there probably isn't a, a great reason because of sin to say that Heaven as the sky needs to be new. But he doesn't just say that the, that the skies will be. He says that the earth will be. I mean, think about it. Think about that for a second. A new earth. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that when we give our lives to Christ, that when he changes us, we become new. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember August the 17th, 1980, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. When I got home, I looked the same in the mirror. I mean, I was new, right? But that's the difference in new, not in kind, but in quality. And listen, there's a whole lot of stuff I'm dying to tell you right now, but Vance told me not to. So you got to come back next week. Because that'll be me in the back yelling. Amen! But you got to come back and hear about the new earth. Sometimes we look at this earth and we say, oh my gosh, heaven's going to be so much better. I got to tell you, it's going to be new. But that's as far as I can go. That's all right. Hey, what I know, you don't yet. And I, I'm telling you, it's good. It's going to be new. The heavens, the earth. Listen, the point is not how it becomes new, and that's what Vance is going to relate to you next week. The point's not how. The point is that it does become new. Everything's going to be new. In verse 5 of the same chapter, God says, I make all things new. In other words, if it's beautiful, he makes it more beautiful. If it smells good, he makes it smell better. If it tastes good, hey, some of you, including me, it's going to taste better. I don't know how with some things, but it's going to because he makes it new. As the song says, Sean, I asked Sean right before the message because Teddy had told me last week, there's a, there's a line in a, in a song that Sean sings. Here's what it says. A rose 
has never smelled redder. A rose has never smelled redder. I don't know if we know what that means. Means food has never tasted better. If you think stereo or digital sound sounds good, you ain't heard nothing yet. What we hear is going to be better. When he says that he makes all things new, he's not kidding. All things. I don't think we know how much sin has destroyed our senses. He's making it new. My brothers who are blind will see, but we will see better too. Our sisters who are deaf will hear, but we're going to hear better too. Heaven's a new place. It's a place that's going to be new. He will make it better because it's going to be new. But not only is it going to be new, it's going to be a beautiful place. It's going to be a beautiful place. When you think of the word beautiful, what do you think of? I mean, think of beautiful right now and think of, and, and, and just watch the pictures come to your mind of what beauty means. Beautiful, the word literally means pleasing to the mind or pleasing to the senses aesthetically, what it looks like, what you see, that that has a very high standard, that that is excellent in appearance. That's what beauty is, and that's how we see it. But I want you to think for a second. Think about the places in the world some of you have been, the cities in the world that you've seen. He talks about, and I'm about to read it in chapter 9, this new city, the new Jerusalem. But think about the cities you've seen. I mean, I was sitting around thinking in my own mind the cities I've seen. Hong Kong. Have you ever been to Hong Kong? I'm telling you, it's one of the most beautiful cities that I've ever seen in the world, especially from a distance with the, with the architecture and then the mountains and the sea in front. So beautiful. How about cities like Paris and Venice and Amsterdam and St. Petersburg, Russia, Cape Town, South Africa, Sydney, Australia, San Francisco, Rome, Lisbon, Portugal, London, New York, etc., and on and on. Listen, there's some beautiful cities, but I don't know if we've seen a city quite like what I'm about to read about. How about just... The beauty of places, other places, nature or not, the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, the Rocky Mountains, the Great Barrier Reef, the Galapagos Islands, the Great Wall of China, Yosemite National Park, the Redwood Forest, the Great Pyramids of Egypt, the Serengeti of Tanzania, Lake Tahoe, the Florida Keys, the Hawaiian Islands. And I was just thinking, I mean, there's some beautiful places in this world, isn't there? trying to wrap our heads around something that is more beautiful than the places that I've just mentioned, the things that our eyes have seen. How can it be that there's a place more beautiful? But we can be for certain. We've never seen anything like we're, like we're going to see in heaven. Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. Listen to how he describes the new Jerusalem. He says, Then one of the seven angels who had, the, who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came spoke with me saying, come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit. There it is to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Listen to what it says. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear Jasper. Now Jasper's supposed to be red, by the way. He said he purified it. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gate, 12 angels, and, and names were written on them, which were the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city's laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width, and he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles, and its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall 72 yards according to human measurements. So for those of you who wonder if he literally is his 1,500, according to human measurements, that's us. Which are also angelic measurements. Sounds like, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, metric system or if it's our old American standard. But one of the two that's the same. The materials of the wall were was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire. I mean, listen, he's giving us specifics here, people. He said the very first one, jasper. The second one, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. And the fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, jacinth, the twelfth, amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. You know, he wanted to give us a good description, didn't he? Some people say, I'm not sure that's exactly what it is. But according to what John saw that day as God opened it up for him, verse 11 tells us that the city was brilliant like a costly stone. This city of pure gold, not just gold, but it was like glass. Some commentators said this can be described as a, listen to this, diamond. You ever seen a beautiful diamond? Never seen one that big. The best way to describe the city is that it shines like a diamond. In verses 12, 14, 17, and 18, he describes the wall of this 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500 mile city. It's huge. And listen, it's just a city. There's going to be more than just the city. He said, this is what the city's like. This is the centerpiece. This foundation of this, of this wall that he describes, at the base of the wall, there were 12 stones. They were blue and red and Carolina blue and green and purple and yellow and turquoise and on and on and on. And so here's what I... I, I, I go Google it. <laughs> just Google the stone. Just, just, just the name of the stone that's there. Every one of them will come up and you'll go, Wow. All around the city, 12 deep, were these stones. He says the walls above that were of jasper. And like I said, jasper is usually red, but could have been clear again like a diamond as he described it in the first time. We'll find out when we get there. 
Remember, these walls are 1,500 miles high. Did a little research. Fifteen hundred miles. You know the Earth, and T Terry, you could probably help me with this. Is something like a hundred and I want to say it's one hundred and thirty. Could be one hundred and ten miles to get to the outer, outer atmosphere. Something like that. It's higher than that. You think fifteen hundred miles? You'll be out of the atmosphere. People say we'll be to the moon. We're not that far. The moon's farther than that. But. This city will extend even out of what we know. If this is true and according to him, human measurements. That's how tall these walls are. He says that the walls, all four of them, have 12 gates with 12 pearls. And Pastor Vance pointed out last week, single pearls. You know what that means? 1,500 mile tall pearls. A pearl 1,500 miles tall. I don't know why. I'm just telling you what it says. How big's the oyster? <laughs> you know, what kind of oyster did these things come from? I mean, here's what we know about oysters, too, that only oysters that have been damaged create pearls. Did you know that? An oyster that has no blemish on the outside, a hole that could get in, produces no pearl. Maybe God put the pearls there to remind us of the damage that happened to his son. I don't know. It's conjecture for me. I don't know. But 1,500 mile tall pearls. He goes on to say that these gates are never closed. Man, this, this is why I get excited too. Because heaven isn't just a place where New Jerusalem will be there. But you can actually go in and out. He said, I'm not going to close it, not just because it's safe there, because it is, but because you don't have to just stay there. Don't get me started. I got something on that, too. He says the street is gold, not gold in color, because he goes on to say, yes, the physical makeup, but he goes on to say it's like transparent glass, like the gold that we have has impurities in it that makes it that color, but the pure gold is like glass. He said, this is what the street is going to be like. All these things, the wall, the pearls, the street, beautiful. It's new and it's beautiful. Because when God renews something, when he makes it new, all he knows and all he's capable of doing is making it the most beautiful. And this is how John describes what his beauty, what the beauty of heaven is going to be like. We've never seen anything like that. Heaven is beautiful. It's new. And I can imagine if the city's that pretty, what he didn't even tell us about the rest of the place is going to be incredible. Y'all not excited about the beauty. And I'm okay with that. Because there's other stuff I know. Look at the next thing. It's going to be a peaceful place. Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah writes this. He says, and the wolf, talking about heaven, will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little boy will lead them. And he goes on to say that 
It even gets more weird than that in heaven. That little child will reach into a snake's den, a cobra's den, and not be hurt. What are we trying, I mean, what is Isaiah trying to say in this peace? We know it's a place of peace. Listen, if we knew nothing else, because that's where the Prince of Peace is, amen? And it's not just peaceful because he's there, but he, it's, it's, it's also peaceful because he's the one renewing it. Peace is something that we all long for as human beings. I'm telling you, from what you're doing here to, what you, to the, the, the place that you'll choose to eat, to the clothes that you wear, your soul is longing for peace. Don't you like to be at peace? Mostly in our home, it's really palpable one time per year. Where I'm like, this is like the most. And for those of you who have kids who are away, you know what I mean. All my kids, when they come home for Christmas. I have three who are in college now and two that are 1,700 miles away. And the only time everybody's home at the same time is usually Christmas. And Crystal and I will lay down in the bed on Christmas Eve and we'll look at each other and just smile and say something like this. It sure feels good for everybody to be under the same roof. I'm telling you, I go to sleep quick, but that night I go to sleep real quick. There's something about peace that we long for, that we want. We want peace. We long for it in our lives, our homes, our jobs, and everything that we do. And if we were asked to describe what our lives are like, peace would probably not be the way we described it. Other words that might come to our minds are, are, are words like stress and headache and chaos and broken and hectic and busy and, yes, even sin. In his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be by Cornelius Plantiga, he says, he writes this, he says, God hates sin not just because it violates his law, but more substantively, because it violates shalom, because it breaks the peace, because it interferes with the way things are supposed to be. God is for peace and therefore against sin. Sin has destroyed everything in our lives. I know we love this place called earth, and I know you may like your life, and you may like your job, and you may feel blessed, and trust me, we are. But I'm telling you, we don't know true peace yet. We know the Prince of Peace, and, I, and, 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 while, we, and while he lives through us, we can know that. But I'll tell you what, sometimes my flesh jumps right back up. Anybody else with me? We live in a sinful, sinful world. Sin has destroyed the peace, but peaceful is a way that we all should describe life. In fact, John Ort, Ortberg in his book, Soul Keeping, says it like this. Our souls long for peace. We long for that. And God will rectify it. God's going to reconcile all the stress and the, the worry in our lives. And he's going to give that peace. And heaven is going to be a peaceful place. Now, think about what I said. Think about what I wrote, uh, read out of Isaiah chapter 11. I mean, I read it and you saw it. But let's think about it. The wolves lay down by baby sheep. In fact, the wolf is the natural predator of the sheep. How about leopards? Leopards and goats, are they buddies? They hang out. They take naps under shades. 
No. Leopards devour goats. How about lions? They like young cows. They like calves. Yeah, for lunch. Natural predators. I mean, the word that he used, fatling here, is used to describe a cow that is, listen to this, been fed just the right amount of food to, to be the correct weight to be slaughtered to eat. Like, here's the lion. He's like, it's like me at, at Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> just bring the filet, man. I don't want, I don't want a sausage. Don't even bring the chicken over here. The filet. That's the way lions feel around fatlings. This isn't natural. But the Bible says that these things will take place in heaven. If you continue to read the verses, you, you'll see the, the, the next couple of verses that they contain the child playing beside the cobra's den and the viper's nest. And this viper was one that didn't even have to bite you to poison you. His very breath poisoned you. But he said, kids, little children can be beside cobras and vipers and they'll be okay. You say, Tom, this is all just imagery. Believe what you'd like. I believe it's going to happen like that. You know why? Because it's a place of peace. But the peace won't only be for animals with each other. The peace will be for animals and us. I'm not going to be scared of a lion either. I can't wait to pet one, to be honest. But there won't be any unrest between us either. Now, be honest, most of y'all, I'm not scared. Some of you, I'm a little, a little frightened. I'm just kidding. Not really. Anyway. There won't be any war. There won't be any racism. There won't be any classism. There won't be anything in us that will be unpeaceful about each other. It won't just be with the animals. It will be with us. There won't be any physical abuse. There won't be any sexual abuse. Hate will be gone. Only love will remain. Murder, drug, and alcohol abuse, gone. And, okay, here we go. No overeating. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's fun while we're doing sin, right? No slander, no gossip, no malice, no lust, no bullying, no greed, no unkindness. Only peace. It's new and it's beautiful, but it's a place of peace. And by the way, animals will be there. I don't want to get into all that. But that's a whole bunch of stuff too. I'll save that for Vance. He's got a lot to preach next week. <laughs> Fourth thing, it's also a place of reunion and union. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 says this, Those who remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now listen, this is one that we all believe, but sometimes we let our minds get away from them. I, listen, I, it, this is a place we should shout today. You ever lost somebody and you don't get to see them again and you believe that they're in heaven because they were followers of Jesus Christ? Can I tell you they are? If they were his follower, they are there. 
And let me just go ahead and preface this. If you lost a child, they're there too. One that wasn't born or died earlier had no chance to give their life to Christ. I say that boldly, but I'm telling you they're there. David thought they were there. When he lost his son, he said, he can't come to where I am, but I can go to where he is. I got some people in heaven that I'm looking forward to seeing. In 1986, my 26-year-old cousin was murdered. In 1994, I lost my grandfather, my first grandfather, to a heart attack. In 2001, I lost my father-in-law to Parkinson's complications. I lost my other grandfather in 2009 to lung disease. In 2007, my first grandmother passed away. and She actually passed away of natural causes at 91. I've lost two great-grandmothers that I knew. One was in her upper 90s and one was 103. But here's what I can tell you about all those people. They were all followers of Jesus. I'm going to see them again. Because those who've gone before us, there will be a great reunion. You say, Tom, will I know them? Just like you knew them here. They're going to look different, aren't they? Well, they won't be overweight. And they will be able to see 2020 vision. If they couldn't see, they will. If they didn't hear, they will. Everything will be perfect, but you will know them by their face. The disciples had no problem recognizing Jesus when they saw him after his resurrection. We will be like he is. Now, the flip side of that, too, it's not just a place of reunion. It's also a place of union. One of the things I forgot to mention is that there will be people after I preach this sermon that will pass away if Jesus doesn't come back that I know and love. And while they're not gone and they didn't make that list, there could be another list. I mean, the truth is someday I will lose those who are here with me now. Some. I will lose my wife, Crystal, or she'll lose me unless Jesus comes back. It's going to happen. I'll lose my parents. I'll lose my brother, my sister, my nieces and nephews. I pray not, but we could lose our kids. I'll lose some of you, and I'll do your funeral right here. How are we going to make it through the loss of those that we loved? How will we make it through that? Well, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, my brethren. Because they will, when they rise and Jesus comes back and we meet them in the air, listen, our hope is in heaven. Our, our, our hope is that there's a reunion. Our hope is that knowing one day that we will be together forever. And listen, God doesn't want you, know, people say, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus and I just want to spend time with him all the time. And I'm, here, here's what I'm saying. I got it. I understand. Me too. I want to see him too. But let's don't be super spiritual here. Don't you want to see somebody you miss? You will. You will. It's a place of reunion. But I won't just meet those that I knew on earth. I'm also going to meet the ones I didn't have the privilege to know. You know, in heaven, we're going to be meeting people we didn't even know existed. I'm serious. You're going to sit down at the buffet table at the end, when, you know, and, and there's going to be this guy beside you. And you go, hey, what's up? 
And listen, I'm not making light here. I'm telling you, we're going to have new relationships in heaven. You know, sometimes when we think about people we didn't meet, I mean, I think about, this got me going, but I, I started listing all my grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents and great-great, you, you, you get it. I didn't know them, but I will. I'm going to meet people I have never knew and didn't even know existed. Plus, we're going to meet people like Paul and Timothy. He's got some questions for us, I'll guarantee you, as much as we have for him. Abraham, David, we're going to meet the widow of the widow's might. And for those of you who've lost a child, like I said, you'll meet them. You know how many people have lost children and have lost hope? Jesus has made it possible that there would be a reunion. Heaven's a new place. It's a beautiful place. It's a peaceful place. It's a place of reunion and it's a place of union. But lastly, it's a place where we will be in the unending presence of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, says this. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. When I talk about the presence of God, understand that we've never seen this. This is something that you or me have ever experienced. And when people tell me they have, I get a little freaked out. Listen, there's some facts and some truths you need to know. God is everywhere. Hey, Lord. But if y'all see something I don't, let me know. Hey, he's in me. If you're a believer, he's in you. Then sometimes, like when we get together here, there's the manifest presence of God, where God just shows up and does things that are very unusual, things that are different when he shows us himself individually while we're alone. But there's coming a day when we will see him face to face. That's different. Amen? Y'all should have clapped for the other four, too. They were good. This is good. I'm not saying this isn't good. Here's what I'm saying. Can you imagine what it's like to look at him in the face? Listen, this is a big deal if you know the Old Testament story of how they couldn't get close to God like that. They used to tie a rope to the high priest when he went into the Holy of Holies to meet with God because if he died, they couldn't get him out. When he would meet with them face to face, if all wasn't right, the, the guy would literally die on the spot and they'd drag his body out of the Holy of Holies. When God met face to face with Moses, God said, listen, I'm going to pass by you and I'm going to let you see me, but I got to put my hand over you so that you don't burn. In fact, get in the cleft of the rock, I'm still going to shadow you. And when he was able to look, he only saw his back. Go read it. This understanding of he is the light, not with the sun or the moon, like Pastor Vance talked about last week, but that he himself is the light. 
is so penetrating, is so directive, this light that our human bodies can't fathom what it's like to be face-to-face with him, and he knows that. But there's going to be a day we're going to look at him face-to-face and be in his very presence. Listen, physically. Physically. Man, it is a new place. It is a beautiful place. It's a peaceful place. But I'm telling you, it's a place where we're going to be with him forever and forever and forever. Revelation 22.4 says it like this. They will see his face. Randy Alcorn also wrote in his book, here's what he said. He said, we may imagine we want a thousand different things, but God is the one thing we really long for. His presence brings satisfaction. His absence brings thirst and Longing, our longing for heaven is a longing for God. A longing that involves not only our inner beings, but our bodies as well. Listen to this. Being with God is the heart and soul of heaven. Every other heavenly pleasure will derive from and be secondary to his presence. God's greatest gift to us is and always will be himself. Now, this starts a whole other sermon. Because we're going to be with him. And when we're with him, all those other four things I just mentioned, he makes better. Terry, the things scientists will study in the new, we haven't even thought about. How about if we actually got to go to Saturn? You say, you're crazy. Am I? How about we don't get older, we just get younger and younger? Yeah, I got some people on board now. How about the animals we've never seen we'll get to see? Or how about him creating new ones? How about leaving your doors unlocked at night, people? How about borrowing your neighbor's car and him not caring? <laughs> Listen, I'm being a little bit funny in here, but, 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 but here's what I want you to know. We so separate and think that this life is the life. This won't hold a candle to what we're going to see. You will eat. You will see correctly. God has these things in store for those who know him. So there are two things I want to leave you with today, real quick. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of his, you should live differently because of what you know about heaven. This isn't our home. I know there's some fun stuff here. I mean, I went last week and saw Cool and the Gang, for goodness sakes. I did. It was fun. Yeah. That's right. Emergency. All right. But I like what God has given me and blessed me with. But this is nothing compared. I got to live differently. And here's the deal. So should you. The money isn't yours. 
Your time isn't yours. It's okay if the guy jumps in front of you in line. This isn't it. But if you're not a believer, I wonder if we're so stuck in this world that God didn't tell us everything about heaven because he, would, he knew that if our earthly minds got on everything that we knew about heaven, that we would want heaven more than we would want him. But I'm telling you, this place of heaven is a figment of my imagination. It's a real place with all the things that we do know. But I'm telling you, with the billion we don't, we are most blessed. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I don't want you to give your life to Christ so you can have heaven. I want you to give your life to Christ so you can have God. Heaven is icing on the cake. So as we close today, as our music team comes, what are you going to do with what you know about heaven? Don't miss the next two weeks. You want to talk about solidifying what we've talked about in the first three? This, these next two are going to rock you. Heaven's a real place. We're real people in the place. God's going to use it for his glory, but here's the deal. He just wants your heart. And everybody who gets God gets heaven, but you got to surrender your life to him. What you have to do is say, Lord, what you did was sufficient payment for me. And today, if you know you're not a follower of God and in the past you haven't wanted to be, here's all you have to do. When we finish today, you don't even have to do this, but if you'd like to do this. I'll be standing here. There'll be pastors here. There'll be other people who will be available. You can just say, you know what? I want Jesus. I love heaven, but I want Jesus. Surrender your life to him. But for those of us who already know God, I pray that knowing what heaven's like would change you. See how you live today correctly and use it for his glory. Lord Jesus, there truly is nobody like you. What you have prepared for us, um, I couldn't even do it justice today either. Lots of things won't be there. Praise the Lord. But lots of things will be. And who knows what those things are. Your goodness and your grace, we sang about this morning, covers us. Lord, change us. Thank you that you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and sing together. If you'd like to make a decision for Jesus, today's the day, the Bible says. Now is the time.